We are in Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 11. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we come and we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son who has come and has shown us the Father. Lord, he has shown us your love that you have for us. He has shown us the way we are to live. And he has shown us the power that is in your name. Lord, I ask that you would bless Pastor Doug as he comes and shares with us this morning. Lord, help us to be attentive to his words. Lord, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from you this morning. Lord, please block out all distraction that we would have. Some of us come with troubled hearts this morning as we've been going through many different things this week, Lord, and I ask that you would bring peace. You would bring calm. Lord, some of us are coming with just a busy mind this morning for all the things that we need to do next week. Lord, I ask that you would help us to focus, that we would hear from you this morning. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When you come to the book of Psalms, you'll find out that one of the great themes of the book of Psalms is thanksgiving and praise. In fact, I've jotted down just five of them, but there's a plethora of many, many more. Some of them are like, for instance, Psalm 50 in verse 4. Then there's Psalm 95 in verse 2. And you quickly go to Psalm 100, verse 4, then to Psalm 107, verse 22, and do not forget Psalm 105, verse 1. Those psalms list a number of different characteristics, a number of different blessings of God upon individuals, such things as goodness, such things as deliverance, things that describing himself, his greatness, things that also relate to his marvelous and wonderful works. This is a, obviously, believers, people should express thanksgiving and praise just about every day of our lives. But it seems that in the month of November, Seeing that we do have a day specifically called Thanksgiving Day, it seems that many people are a little bit more thankful. But I am seeing also a dichotomy that is happening. We're bypassing Thanksgiving, going from Halloween all the way to Christmas. 
and we're forgetting what it is to thank God. And so this morning, I want to start something for the month of November that centers in on thanksgiving, celebrating our many blessings. But before we do that, before we go into the text that Pastor Steve read this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your wonderful and marvelous works. Thank you for your greatness. Everything that is described in the scriptures that highlights your character, your very person, we say thank you. And it's a great way, oh God, then by which we can just begin a month of thanksgiving, totally focused on the many blessings that you have given to us. Sometimes those blessings don't seem to match what we would really like to have, but in reality, they are blessings because they teach us deeper things about you. And so, God, I pray that as we go through this particular series that you would be honored, you would be glorified. But we're also reminded, Lord, that your word tells us to pray one for another, to encourage one another. And so we lift up to you our dear sister, uh, Dawn Lenker. Many of us, if not all of us, have received the prayer update that Dawn is about to enter into a series of radiation treatments that the doctors feel is a place they need to begin. And I ask, oh God, as she meets this next week with the, the individual, the doctor, or the group of doctors that will be performing this, I pray, God, that you would direct them and, and that you would give to Dawn a peace that passes all understanding. We do ask, oh Lord, by your will to be done that these particular treatments may very well counteract what is happening in her body. And so, Lord, may you receive the glory. And we lift her up to you, as well as the uh, Karen Paul family and her brothers and sisters. As tomorrow, there's this memorial service for the passing of their mom. Oh, God, I pray that you would strengthen the family. But also, Lord, I pray that you'd bring them comfort and let them know that Dolores Snyder is doing a whole lot better than we are right now. She's in your presence. You have, again, fulfilled a promise where your word says that he who has the son has life. You have fulfilled a promise where you said, I go to prepare a place for you. And right now, Dolores is in that place. And I pray, O oh God, for the comfort of your word to be a soothing balm upon the hearts and lives of those who are left behind. But I ask specifically for that service tomorrow, Lord, that your name would be honored, that every part of that service would only reflect how good you are and how Dolores believed that and how now she is experiencing that. And so, God, I ask for your Hand, again, of direction and comfort for the family. And too, Lord, we've, I've failed to recognize a couple of young ladies in our congregation who went through some 
some pretty difficult times. A young lady with crutches that is sitting in the second pew has had surgery and now is going through therapy for her. And there's a dad in the third pew that reminded that his daughter had to have her appendix removed. And yet your goodness to that has strengthened them. They belong to a family called Shingara. And I ask, Lord, your blessing upon them, direction to them, and help them, Lord, through their times of whether therapy or whether through just resting is needed for their recovery. I ask, Lord, that you would strengthen them and watch over them and keep them in your perfect peace. And then, Lord God, all that desired to be here today but could not because of colds or ear infections or other number of different things. I pray, God, that uh, as they're praying for us, we pray for them and ask, oh God, for your hand, again, a blessing upon them and strengthening and encouraging of them. Teach us this morning, oh Lord God, from your word. Allow us to see ourselves as one of these lepers and realize, oh Lord God, but by your grace and through your mercy, we now can experience being made whole. And so to you, we dedicate this service for your honor and glory, and we thank you in your name. Amen. This morning, as we looked at, as Pastor Steve read Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, I want you to keep this in mind, that... Thankfulness leads us into the presence of God and is an appropriate response to what God has done in our lives. Remember that. That's a key element of this particular passage because it deals with the fact that when we come to understand this particular passage, first of all, we look at the context. What is the context? Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. This is his final journey. He is going to Jerusalem, for it is there where he will, in much not too longer time, will give of his life. In fact, if you go from chapter 17 to 19, Jesus rides triumphantly into Jerusalem on the back of a colt of a donkey. And so it is this final trip that he goes. And in fact, it's kind of interesting that this particular miracle and one more miracle that Jesus does to individuals are the last ones that are recorded in the scriptures of Luke. This one being the 10 lepers. The next one is dealing with a blind man as Jesus is on his way through Jericho to meet a little guy By the name of Zacchaeus, there is a blind man on the side of the road. Those are the last two independent miracles that Jesus does. Yes, uh, thank you, ladies. A wee little man. We kind of appreciate that. Not only, by the way, did you do it, but I saw your grandfather do it too. He was doing it. And and so the Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, but it's interesting though, as he's going through a region that many thought 
he should not be going through. He's going through the border that is between Samaria and Galilee. Now, let me just try quickly to draw for you, if I can, on my hand, uh, Israel. Down here is Judah. This is where Jerusalem is. This is the region known as Judah in the scriptures. Just north of that, alongside this, the Jordan River, is Samaria. And then north of that, next to the Sea of Galilee, is everybody's the region of Galilee. <laughs> and Jesus is traveling between the border of Samaria and Galilee. He's not going directly to Jerusalem, which gives us the indication that he's leaving this realm of Galilee and heading toward his final destination. But he doesn't go straight through. He takes a turn. He heads west. Now that should give us some kind of encouragement to know that in Jesus' ministry, there were many times that he took detours in order to see someone who needed him. That shows of his omniscience and his omnipotence, understanding that there's someone who needs me. Aren't you glad that that's how Jesus met you? He came to you and revealed himself to you in order that, by grace through faith, you could trust in him. And so this is a beautiful illustration of how God relates to people. For we all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But Jesus is willing to come and meet you where you are in order to give you what he has. And so here we have this beautiful expression of Jesus' love and concern. And he's walking into a town. We're not told what town it is. That's insignificant to what is going to happen there. But in there, as he's coming to the town, he meets these 10 lepers. These 10 lepers are in an unnamed town. Now what's interesting is that we think of leprosy as the disease that removes appendages, and rightfully so, that's part. But according to Jewish law, it could be any skin disease. It could be seborrhea, psoriasis. It could be infantigo. Any kind of skin disease that was known as being contagious was classified as leprosy. In Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, there are strict instructions given as to what is to happen to an individual that is struck with the skin disease known as leprosy. They were to be kicked out of the general assembly of the people and they were to occupy a region that isolated them. Jesus walks into this town and there is a colony of lepers, 10 of them. Interesting that only one of them is identified as a culture. 
we can conjecture maybe that seeing that only one was a Samaritan, the other nine may very well have been Jewish. We'll get to that a little bit later because that's quite significant, by the way, as other times that Jesus ministered to individuals like Samaritans. And so Jesus, as it says, they call out to him. And this speaks of his compassion. Now, there is a translation, I believe it's the, uh, uh, the NIV translation that says they even started to walk toward Jesus. They drew close to him, which is really kind of interesting because they weren't supposed to do that. In fact, in many ways, in every day as they would walk down the road, they were to yell out, unclean, unclean, continually. They were not allowed to associate with anybody which is kind of difficult, especially when it comes to who's going to give you food, where you're going to find water. We're not told. But we are told that it does say in the text that Jesus saw them afar off, and they began to yell something. They began to scream out to Jesus, have mercy on us, have pity on us. What's amazing about that is that here we have this cry of the lepers is the same cry of a lost soul. Have mercy on me. When you begin to, and I challenge you, do a study of that word mercy and you'll find out that it's a deep, deep compassion of God. We sort of skim it off by saying mercy is receiving that which you don't deserve. Grace is keeping from you what you do deserve. But mercy is receiving from God that which we don't deserve. And and we need to be careful that when an individual begins to boast about how they got saved, it almost sounds like I did it on my own. We need to be very careful. It's only by God's mercy that any of us are saved. But these lepers are all in unison crying out for the same cause. Have mercy on us. That was interesting too is that Jesus told them to do something. He said, go and present yourselves to the priest. Now, if you go to Leviticus chapter 13, specifically chapter 14, the first few verses of chapter 14, you realize that an individual could not go to the priest until they were healed. They were not allowed to come into his presence with any kind of skin disease, any type of leprosy. They had to be totally healed for And then they could go to the priest and he would inspect them. Leviticus 14 says that their clothes were to be burnt. They were to be given new clothes. They were to be bathed in a ceremonial form. And then they were still, their hair was supposed to be shaved off. And they were still supposed to isolate themselves for seven days and come back and be inspected again just to make sure. And then from that, they could go to the colony. 
they could go back into the fellowship of the nation of Israel. For Jesus to say, go show yourself to the priest, indicates the fact that even without Jesus touching them, just by his words, they started to go and they were totally healed. Totally healed. Have you ever just thought about the power of Jesus' words? The first instance we get is when the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is sleeping. And Jesus wakens as he's accosted by his disciples saying, don't you care? And Jesus gets up and he just says, peace, be still. And it says, and the winds and the waves obeyed him. Well, why wouldn't they? He's the creator. You might remember in John chapter 1, where it's referenced to the fact that by him all things were made, for without him was not anything made that was made. And you go to Genesis chapter 1, and it talks about the name of God there is Elohim, is a plural form, and, and they created everything. Everything hears his voice. And when this disease was spoken about, healing took place. Now, if you begin to think, they're on their way to the priest to be declared clean so that they could finally go home and be with their family. But only one stopped. There's no place in the scriptures where he even says that he got to the priest. He stopped. And he turned around because he was healed. And he went back to Jesus. Notice the wonder of the change. It was a totally complete change from what he had been experiencing to what now he realizes. He was healed. And you remember the words as Pastor Steve read them, that he came and he just fell at the feet of Jesus and worshiped and adored him because of what Jesus Christ did for him. It's there that Luke says, oh, by the way, this guy's a Samaritan. Now, remember the region. You got Judah, Samaria, Galilee. A purebred Jewish rabbi would never go through Samaria. Remember John chapter 4? Jesus says to his disciples, I have needs to go through Samaria. And they said, what? Do you know who these people are? Samaritans are, if you will, a crossbreed of Jewish and Gentile. They are not appreciated by the Jews. And quite frankly, it's vice versa. The Jews are not appreciated by the Samaritans. But it is in John chapter 4 where we get the first indication of Jesus ministering 
to those whom the world thinks are unworthy. One woman at the well. And you know the story that she goes into the city and says, I found him. I found the one whom the prophets have told us about, the Messiah, our Savior. Come hear him. And it says the whole town came out and his disciples are there and Jesus says, behold, the fields are white on the harvest. He was talking about that whole town coming out. What a revival. Well, that's not just the only time. There were other times that Jesus ministered to individuals who were looked at as being unworthy. Zacchaeus. Unworthy. Because he was a traitor. He was a Jew that worked for the Romans. There was the woman with the blood issue. She was unclean. Lost everything, and yet Jesus ministered to her. There was the centurion in Luke chapter 7 who was concerned about his servant, and Jesus healed him without even going to the house. Jesus ministered to people who the world thought was unworthy. Anytime an individual was either blind maimed or diseased. They were believed to have been cursed. Remember the account of the blind man that Jesus healed? And the disciples said, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, for this is a display of the power of God. And so this Samaritan the one whom should have been last in line of thanksgiving to God was the only one who came. He was changed. What's even more dynamic is that Jesus asked three important questions. And the questions go like this. Were there not 10 that were cleansed? Now, by the way, he's not asking his disciples if he messed up. He's asking the disciples because they asked the question before. If you go to chapter 17, in the opening part of that, you'll find out that the disciples say to Jesus, give us more faith. Increase our faith. We don't know exactly what they were looking for, but then Jesus took the time to teach them about a servant and a master and how the servant, all that he does is because it's based upon his position. Whether he gets notice from his boss or not, that's insignificant. The object of faith in that servant is that he accomplishes what he's supposed to do. And now Jesus asked his disciples, were there not 10? In other words, you want to know how to increase your faith? Let's look at this individual. Then he says, 
Where are the nine? Where are the nine? What happened to them? Where did they? Well, they were healed, but they went home. For them, Jesus was nothing more than a miracle worker to give them what they want. Jesus said, where's the nine? Now, if, he, if we can take, for instance, that these nine were from the Jewish faith, you would think that they would have been the first to come back to thank Jesus. But this isn't the first time, is it? There was this constant conflict that the Jewish people wanted Jesus to do what they thought he should do. And Jesus constantly reminded them, I've come to do the will of my Father who sent me. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. I've come to give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, power to walk to the lame. That's just not in reference to his miracles. That literally is in reference to new life that they have not yet experienced. So these nine, as Jesus is saying, where's the nine? In other words, what good is your religion if it's absent of Jesus' presence? What does it cause us? What what would cause us to really be thankful even before we sit down on the 24th of this month? What good is it? What good is a life of thanksgiving if Jesus isn't in the center of it? We, we just want Jesus to do things for us. There's a line in a song in our hymn books that drives me nuts. Theologically, I'll argue it. He's there whenever I need him. You mean you don't need him now? He's always there when I need him. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You need him every moment. It's his air that you breathe. It's his strength that you walk. It is his power that allows you to do what you do. And it's never a time that we can ever say, I don't need him. He's always needed. And so Jesus asked the third question. Were there not any found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? I challenge you to do a word study on that word foreigner. Literally what it means, heathen, pagan. That's what the Jews would have referred to this Samaritan as. And yet Jesus is highlighting the fact that the one who shouldn't have come back was the only one who did. But what's also grand is this, is the ultimate reward. Yes, he was healed physically, and too often we focus on that. 
you can have the best health in all of the world, never catch a cold, never need a knee replacement or hip replacement or back surgery, never needing heart surgery. You can run your whole life with that. But if you miss out on the last phrase that Jesus said, then all of the other doesn't matter. Because it's here that Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Did you, did you catch that, disciples? Did, did you, do you understand now you want more faith? More faith is developed through what you do. And the obstacles that you are faced and realizing that maybe what you're facing you can't take care of, but you know the one who can. Your faith has made you well. That's an interesting phrase because Jesus isn't just speaking about his physical condition. He's speaking about his spiritual condition. It's the combination of salvation through faith. The Apostle Paul hits it well in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this particular foreigner, though he was once a heathen and pagan, now becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, this particular passage tells us that he began to follow after Jesus. Well, so what do we do? We need to have some kind of seeing this passage and how does this relate to me? How is it that what you're trying to get at, Pastor, from this passage? Well, here it is. No, that's not blank. There, there you go. We can develop a lifestyle of thankfulness by intentionally building a spiritual practice of gratitude and learning to express spontaneous appreciation throughout the day. You know what that means? Aren't you glad that you can see the different colors on the landscape? Aren't you glad that you can hear the crunching of the leaves underneath your feet? Aren't you glad that you have strength enough to even walk and maybe even at 68 years old jump into a pile of leaves and then get up quick and take a shower because you can't stand it itching you? Thanksgiving. Things that we need to do in order to come to worship Jesus Christ in a more personal way. Let me give you a a few situations here that maybe you can try to do, try to develop for yourself. The question is asked, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Well, I've started doing this, and maybe, you know, you, you can too. Some of these you're already part of doing, but 
How, what are some ideas of giving thanks to God? Well, the first one, keep a journal. Highlight, if you will, write out five things each day that you're thankful for. Thankful that I was able even last night to see two young does standing right side the road. And I'm thankful that they turned and went the other way. I'm thankful that the tree that we have in our front yard now possesses three different colors. Green, deep red, and now purple. All in one tree. It's amazing. And just looking at that, I'm thankful that it's warm today. And I'm going to be more thankful when it gets cold. When it's cold and dry, my hips work better. They like that. How about this? How about when you pray over meals... Take time to thank God for things other than just the food. Your food isn't going to get that cold that you're not going to eat it. Take time to be thankful. And you know what it will do? It will help your children to understand how to be thankful. Uh, Third one. Create a list of worship songs that focus on gratitude and thanksgiving. Listen to music of thanksgiving. I don't want to bypass thanksgiving, I, but I can't wait. December the 1st, I start listening to Handel's Messiah. That's full of praise. It's full of thanks, especially when you get to the hallelujah chorus. My word, when that starts playing, I even have to do what King George did the first time he heard it. He stood. And from that point on, that's the tradition. When the hallelujah chorus is played anywhere, everybody stands. Why? Because it brings you into the presence of God. You know, basic. That's good stuff. And then if you get tired of that, go to Vivaldi in the seasons. You're not going to find Vivaldi on 91.3. He won't be there. But if you go to 580 out of Harrisburg, AM, I'm sorry, FM, he'll be there. Uh, You guys have no idea who Vivaldi is. Great composer. Then there's Mozart, my favorite. I listen to these things, and I can't help but praise him. And I come home to my children when they were younger. I said, listen to this wonderful song. Who's it by, Dad? Vivaldi. And they'd go, And they play other music that I go. (laughs) But you create for yourselves this, this attitude and then take time to see the beauty of God. I am so glad that God sees the greatest beauty in people. That's who he came to save. And that's who we should be looking to minister 
to. All the surroundings are wonderful and they help us, but it's people. The song that Steve Green sang many years ago, people need the Lord. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But they need to see that lived out in us. This particular Thanksgiving theme, I trust, will create in us as a church, individually, corporately, as an opportunity to be more worshipful to our God. And to prepare us for what is yet to come. Which, by the way, according to the book of the Revelation, if you're not doing anything Wednesday night, come and join us. We're walking through that wonderful book. Professor Harold Paul is leading us in the wisdom of the text. And it's gorgeous. It's wonderful. When we get to that point of chapter 4, we're not there yet. You get to chapter 4 and chapter 5, and it describes for us what we're going to be doing, worshiping our great God. Why don't we start it here and being thankful and bless his holy name? He's given us 10,000 reasons, by the way. So let's pray together. God, it is great to know that we can celebrate who you are It's great to know that the way of that has been paved by the finished work of Christ our Savior. And so I ask, O God, as we journey through these particular sermonic presentations on being thankful, that we would remember this Samaritan, this foreigner, who recognized that it's only by your mercy. That's what he cried out for. That's what he received. And then he came back and worshiped you. And so God, may we as your people even become more thankful, even become more worshipers, even become determined to praise your name. You've given us at least 10,000 reasons, but many more that are yet to be unfolded. And so to to you be the honor and the glory and the power and the dominion both now and forevermore. And it's in the name of Christ our Savior we pray. Amen.